Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. is the Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Did you know he's here? Did you know I didn't say that because that's something that you would say in church? (laughs) But he is actually here. Glory to God. Father, we celebrate you. We celebrate your presence. You are here. To those who can't see, I pray that their eyes would be open, their hearts would understand and comprehend and know that you are here. Mm, You are here. You are here, 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 here. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. That was fun. I'm going to ask Brother Matt to come. He's going to come for a moment and tell us about his trip. He was in the uh, Caribbean or somewhere like that. I wouldn't, not, no, he was on a, on a mission trip. Come on, Brother Matt. And he's going to give us a few highlights. And he may come and give us some more another time. But uh, tell us about the trip, son. Amen. Well, you can be seated. Hallelujah. I got just a couple of notes that I jotted down to have some things that I wanted to share on the, as far as numbers and the success of the trip and uh, you know it's just awesome to be in a place of worship like we were this morning a place of freedom uh, you know I was in a country where there's less than 1% Christian it was 0.05 now don't you hear what I'm saying it's 0.05% not 1% 0.05% Christian so when we were on the streets you know you it's a predominantly Muslim country I think it's about 87% Muslim uh, most of the other Hindu and then the 0.05% Christian. So, uh, you know, when we were in places of worship in the hotel, um, you know, we, we had church and we worshiped Jesus and the presence of God fell. Uh, but, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of extra participation. <laughs> and you go on the streets and there's people wearing, uh, you know, full Muslim garb and they had the, bur- the women had the burqas on. A lot of them had the full face coverage, just the eyes showing. And uh, one day we were on the street and the women's all women's school let out and uh, they filed out single file onto the street. And we were going down the road and there was about 50 women walking down the street in full black, nothing but their eyes showing. And it was a little, uh, little unnerving, I guess you could say, because it's not something we're used to. And uh, but thank God we're free. And that's the reason today I encourage you, you know, we're in a place of freedom to worship. You know, and sometimes your circumstance and I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm not going to preach. Sometimes your circumstances look, you know, overwhelming, but, uh, you know, Jesus already made us free. It's already a finished work. All we have to do is reach out and receive and take what he's done. But, you know, we have to, to um, praise him and thank him for it. When you believe God's done something, then you're thankful, right? Yeah. Amen. So that's a part of having a heart full of thanksgiving. But I, I want to thank each and every one of you for your prayers and your support while we were gone. We had um, six teams of uh, about six to seven people apiece. On each team, we went to over 60 schools. I think it was actually about 68 schools. Uh, we had uh, 16,500 salvations on the week. 
uh, which is awesome. Number give God all the glory and honor and the praise for that. We had uh, 130 documented healings, miracles that are not just, you know, somebody said, hey, you know, I had a stomach ache and it's gone, but these were documented, um, interviewed people, documented um, healings that took place. And a lot of these in the, in the night services, you know, we had thousands of people there. They couldn't make it to the front to get interviewed, so we don't really know how many uh, actually were healed, but we, uh, 130 of them was able to make it to the front. Amen. Amen. And over uh, 35,000 people heard the gospel uh, for the first time. And uh, it's a single, we were told this, it was the single largest Muslim gathering to ever hear the gospel in one place in the uh, nation's history of ba- uh, Bangladesh. So uh, the, the single largest gathering at one time. Now, uh, I've got a, a short video clip I want to show of one of the, the healings that took place. But one, one night we had, uh, in the mornings we would get up about 4, 4 to 4.30 in the morning, uh, begin to get ready for the day. And about 5.05 you would hear this weird uh, sound go off in all the city. Elliot, Elliot could testify to this. Was it five times a day in Afghanistan? And, uh, and that's a Muslim country. We, I was in Bangladesh. So you wake up, you get ready in the morning, the call to prayer comes out. But it's not the call to prayer that we know. So you're getting ready, brushing your teeth, whatever, you know, and all of a sudden it sounds like a dying goat, you know, coming across the speakers and all the, you know, but that's their call to prayer. <clears throat> and they do it five times a day. So it's just a different atmosphere. But, you know, God's not scared. <laughs> and like the old country boy said, you know, God's not scared. And, uh, but God's not scared. He's not afraid. He's on the throne. And we believed that he's alive on the inside of us and we are the light of the world. And we were sent with a, a mission and a purpose. Well, one night we had, uh, in the first night meeting, uh, some of the pastors got uh, let fear kind of come on the local pastors. And the code word was Elvis. If the word Elvis came out, that means, you know, Elvis left the building. And that means if you hear Elvis, that means get to the car and get there quick. And we had the vans lined up on the side road, had an escape route behind the stage. And we had about 20 armed guards uh, that were there with machine guns and shotguns and sticks. And uh, just to make their presence known. So, uh, but that one night, the Elvis did come down the the pipe, <laughs> and uh, so we had to evacuate. The ladies uh, went first. About ten minutes later, the men left. But it was mostly just fear. I don't think there was any present danger. The local pastors were afraid, and uh, some things, some rumors had been started about some of the Muslim religious leaders getting upset about what was going on. And uh, but the next day, we had to cancel the meeting. At night, but we still went into the schools. We had uh, three more night meetings after that, just with tremendous results. And uh, and it's just amazing to see the people that were in uh, such darkness. You look into their eyes, and we're going to the schools, and you see their eyes of of hopelessness. And when you begin to minister Jesus to them and share the life of God with them, just the the joy that that comes on their face, and, and the hope that they see and know. And that's what we need not to take granted, take for granted every day the freedom that we have in Christ. Um, we had over 20,000 names to follow up with uh, after the night meetings they got uh, names from as many people that would submit those from tickets uh, but there's over 20,000 names that the local pastors have to follow up with we have people, there's four people that stayed back to help the pastors follow up and we got some uh, Julia was showing me some things on Facebook where we had some testimonies of follow up and these people are already beginning to go into these homes and follow up with them and uh, just yesterday they had uh, several entire families that went, one family member went to the meeting, one of the meetings, left, you know, put their name and address down. Now the local pastors and our follow-up team are going back into their homes, and the entire families are getting born again. 
from one person that, that wrote their name down. Bibles are being given to them in their language. And it, these are Muslim families, Hindu families. Not just, you know, someone that's backslid. I'm talking about Muslim people that are living in darkness. The whole families are getting born again. We gave over 100 water filters to churches and trained the pastors how to use them. So now they have clean water in the villages, over 100 home churches and uh, uh, established churches. So people in the area can come and get clean water. And it's also a tool to minister the living water to them and the gospel to them. But we're going to show you real quick. I think it's about a one-minute clip, 50-something second clip. And we went to a school one morning, the first school actually that we were there. I apologize, it's on the angle. But this man uh, had a stroke a year ago, and when he walked up to the front, he couldn't. His left side was paralyzed. He walked with a cane, and he had assistance. And after we laid hands on him, commanded the life of God to come in, he walked, marched. And uh, one Ben, like I think I got him here. I told him to bend down. He he does the squats. Very good. This man had a stroke a year ago, and he could hardly move his side of the body, and now he's moving and has received strength in his body. Hallelujah. Who healed you? Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Jesus. So this uh, testimony of that was this was a man that donated the land for the school that we went to. He donated the property for the school to be built on. So it was a testimony for everybody in that region to see the power and the love of God. And that kind of kicked off the the entire week. So praise God. And uh, at some point we got other stuff maybe we could share and show you some more videos. And thank you again for your prayers and support. Excellent. You know, um, stuff like that happens because someone heard and heeded these words right here that says, go into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel. And, uh, and others uh, supported them as they went and all together made explosive force for God. <clears throat> not only does he want to send them, he wants to send us. We, we may not be going to Bangladesh or, or across the ocean. He might want to send you across the road to your neighbor. You say, what would I tell him? Because you don't know my neighbor. Well, there's someone that you might have heard of asked a question like that one time. His name was Moses. You ever heard of him? Yeah, yeah he was a basket case. Uh, but anyway, uh, and I'll just read this. You don't turn there, but in Exodus 3, if you want to know where it's at later, you can look at it. 310 says, God says, Come now, therefore, and I'll send you into Pharaoh, that you may bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go into Pharaoh? Who am I? You ever thought about that? Well, God, who should I? I mean, who am I? And then we have our, we have our reasons or excuses. Moses had some. Sometimes we have some. So he says, Who am I that, that you would send me to bring forth uh, the children of Israel out of Egypt? Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go into Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly, God says, Certainly, I will be with you. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve me on this mountain. And Moses said unto God, But when I go to the children of Israel and say to them, that The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say unto me, Who, What is his name? They're going to want to know what his name is. Moses didn't know his name. He said, what should I tell him? God said unto him, Moses, I am that I am. 
And he said, Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am hast sent me unto you. The Amplified said this way, God said to Moses, tell him this, tell him, I am who I am, what I am, and I will be what I will be. And he said, you shall say to the Israelites, I am has been sent to you. Amen. What is he? He's am. <laughs> now that may not go past the English test, but I, but I am. And if he am, he am now. And he has sent us. First Corinthians chapter two, if you will. Well, I hope you got plenty to eat this week. And had a lot of fun and still thankful. Congratulations to Auburn. War the Eagle, praise the Lord. First Corinthians two. When you get there, say, got it? got it? If you look and say, oh me. Let's wait on a couple of me's. First Corinthians chapter 2. I want us to see this this morning. I'm excited about this word. Amen. Praise God. Did you find it? Paul said in verse 4 of himself, he said, My speech and my preaching is not with enticing words of man's wisdom. He said, But what I teach and preach is in demonstration of the spirit and the power. That your faith would not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect or mature, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught or nothing. Paul said, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princesses of this world knew, for if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Amen. The enemy knew he'd messed up. Yep. Look at verse 9. It's kind of our central verse this morning. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath, past tense, hath prepared for them that love him. Anyone here love the Lord this morning? Amen. Anyone else love the Lord this morning? Amen. Is, the, is the jury out or I mean, you know, it's the, how many love the Lord? Amen. Okay, that's all of us. Amen. Now when I asked you, did you want seconds this week? He's waving your hands, so I expect the same thing, all right? But God hath revealed them to us by his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Hmm? Uh, let me read the verse 9 from the Amplified. And uh, it said, I have not seen nor ear heard all that God hath, has prepared. He's made preparations. Yes. He's made it and he keeps it ready. Made it and he's keeping it ready. Amen. For those who love him, who hold him in affectionate reverence, promptly obeying him, and gratefully recognizing the benefits he has bestowed. God has some things prepared and they're ready. It sounds too good to be true. Actually, it's way, way too good to be true. Reminds me of a story about something that sounded too good to be true. Let me read it to you. Said that there's a story about a, about a man said that uh, he's reaching the end of this interview. 
and uh, the human resources officer asked this uh, young engineer, he's fresh out of the Massachusetts Institute of Theology, excuse me, technology. Go back out of my world. So he just, he just graduated from Massachusetts Institute of Technology. And so the guy who's doing the interview, and he says, he says, and what starting salary are you looking at? The engineer replies, in the region of 125K a year, depending on the benefits package. The interviewer requires, well, what would you say of, uh, to a package of five weeks vacation, pay, 14 paid holidays, full medical dental, company matching retirement funds to 50% of salary, a company car leased every two years, say red Corvette. The engineer sits up straight and says, wow, are you kidding? He replies, yeah, but you started it. <laughs> <laughs> With your 125K a year. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Sounded too good to be true. Well, it is, but he made it and kept it ready. Uh, you don't have to show this translation because I'll just make a point to go on. But uh, that, same, that same verse, uh, chapter 9 in the New Living Translation, and uh, I want you to listen to it. Now, God's making a statement to us. He's making a statement about all mankind. He's making a statement to everyone listening this morning, here and listening. And this is from the beginning until this day. And here's what he says. And this is the words that Paul spoke uh, by utterance of the Holy Spirit. And he said this, No eye has seen. That would include Moses. That would include Abraham. That would include David. Right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, go on and on and on. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. No mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. He said, God says, no one has ever saw it, heard it, or even imagined what I have and I have kept and it's ready. And then verse 10 of that translation of the NLT says, but we know the thing, but we know these things. Because the Spirit is revealing them to us now by His Spirit. But we know. Why? Because we don't have the Spirit of the world. We have the Spirit which is of God who wants to and willingly reveals these things. So Paul was living during the time of the church's inception. And he lived to bring, in his lifetime, he lived to bring... Uh, what was previously hidden from their eyes, their ears, and their mind, their imagination to bring it to light. And he wrote the following message to describe Paul did. He, he wrote this, and here's a scripture, and uh, if you would just listen, this is from the message translation. It's Ephesians 3, 9 and 10 in the message. So Paul said, I have a mandate on my life to reveal these things of what is and what the plan was and was hidden so that the eye does see, so that the ear does hear, so that the imagination does comprehend. And so Paul says it this way. He says, my task is to bring out in the open and make plain what God created all this in the first place and has been doing in secret behind the scenes and all along. 
through followers of Jesus like yourself gathered in churches this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about among the angels. Now, the angels have seen a lot. So you're not going to impress angels, you know, with uh, your new recipe for chocolate chip cookies. Hmm. Or that you created a better mousetrap. He said, but this thing is being revealed, Paul said. It is being brought out into the light. People just like yourself, that God had a plan that he thinks is extraordinary, extraordinary. He says, so that the angels themselves are talking about this plan among themselves. So when we live the life that was planned by God before, and we live that life, it gets the angels conversing one with another about the extraordinary plan that God has prepared, made and kept ready for you. It is now ready to be opened and revealed in you so that God will give you the same message and you'll say, I am has sent me to you. <clears throat> Let me read this. Uh, th this was really God's plan all along. I'm, I'm going to continue reading from the message uh, for a little bit in Genesis 1, 26 and 28 in the message. Verse 26 says this, God spoke. He said, let us make man in our image. Make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, um, <clears throat> the cattle, and yes, the earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings. He created them godlike. He created them godlike. I'll take a little pause there. The reason why we were singing a song a while ago, not to be really picky with words, but we were singing about um, uh, there's no one like you. That's the lyrics of that song, there's no one like you. And we kind of changed that to there's no God like you, little g. But uh, it was, the, it was the, the whole plan of God to make someone like him. Not first to sing songs about how no one's like you. Can you see that? Someone said, well, that's just being real picky. Well, I, we picked it then. Huh? Because you are made in the exact spitting image of God. And Jesus said himself, don't you know that you yourself have been made God's little g-o-d-s? Huh? Made in his image and his likeness? That the works that Jesus said that I did, you're going to do the same works, but your works will exceed what I did while I was on the earth. Now, that's his words. That's not mine. He said, you're going to do exactly what I did, but you're going to do a greater work than I did. You're going to exceed my work while you're on the earth. He says, that's why we, heaven calls you gods. Well, I'm just, you know, Sam's boy. No. Well, you are. But you're more than that, right? Because he created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female, and he blessed them. And this is, this is the blessing. God blessed them, and he said to, to mankind, he said, prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge. So he made mankind to reflect his nature. Adam, the first man, told him the same thing. And he said, 
he gave Adam the responsibility to, to name every species of animal that was on the was on the planet, and gave him an intellect, a caliber of intellect, a caliber of intellect that he could look at an animal, uh, whether it, uh, of land or of sea, and take some of its characteristics and come with a name with such intellect that he could name every animal, land or sea, and to reflect its attributes and its character and what it, or what it looked like. Now, uh, y'all know Google knows everything, right? Oh yeah, Google knows everything. So Google says there's an estimated 8.7 million estimated species on the earth, give or take 1.3 million. So this is one of the first things that God wanted Adam to do. You say, well, that'd take forever. Well, he, he lived over 900 years, so you can get a lot done in 900 years. <laughs> he could have lived on, right? But he got fruit happy. So, uh, uh, so somewhere, you know, somewhere around 8 million, plus or minus a million, 6.5 million on land, 2.2 million in the ocean. Now, I don't know how he went into the ocean and saw all of it. But he said he did. That's all I got to know. All this was because he loved us. And here's what it is. We have to know, and our story is to tell, that God did all this because you are the focus. You're the focal point of his love. God didn't need the earth. What did God need earth for? He needed earth because he wanted you. He didn't create you because he was bored. He created you because he wanted something to express and to invest his love into. Amen. He created a planet that looked like heaven so that he could put man on earth and put him in a, in a situation, almost the replica of heaven before the, the fall of Adam. So you're the, the very focal point of that love. Amen. In, in Psalms 138.8 in the NIV, it says, the Lord will fulfill his purpose in me. How many believe that? Amen. That while you're on the earth, the Lord is going to fulfill his purpose yes. in you. Yes. He didn't say your purpose. It's his design. He's the master architect. So he said, the Lord is going to fulfill his purpose in me. Therefore, you cannot be an accident. You might be, a, you might have been a surprise. Uh, uh, you know, a complete, uh-oh, but not to God. Amen. We know from Scripture over and over and over again because of God's omniscience, His ability to know everything, that we know that there's nothing that would ever catch Him by surprise. Uh, nothing has ever or will ever happen that God is not fully aware of before it happens. We know from Jeremiah, the prophet, his words where he told Jeremiah, he said, I knew you before you were conceived. I can't explain that. Can you? If you can't, come on up. It's your service. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. He knew us before we were conceived. So you're here because God wanted you to be created. He wanted to create you. Remember, he has a purpose for everything. There's nothing. God doesn't do anything without purpose. You know, a lot of times people in life, they just do stuff. God has never just done stuff. Everything is in perfect alignment for his purpose of creation and his plan for of all eternity. Every little detail is. 
And so when you read that chapter, and we've read it many times, and we won't go there, but it says you are here because God wanted to create you. And the Bible says the Lord will fulfill his purpose in me. And I, and I believe that's something that, that you ought to just keep in front of you. And you ought, to, you ought to hear you say that to yourself. The Lord in my lifetime, he's going to fulfill his purpose in me. Amen. He knows every single detail of your life. Hmm? He knows the inside and the outside. Yes. He knows every detail about, the, uh, about your body. Yes. He chose purposely who you would be. Yes. He chose your race. He chose the color of your eyes. He chose your skin, your height, and your weight. If you're, if you're heavy, it's not your fault. No, <laughs> well, they might drag that out a little bit too much, but anyway. But all this was not by mistake. He chose your hair color. Your talents, your personality, there's nothing that God did not have his hand on. God chose the exact moment in which you would be born. He knew in what country you would be born. Hmm? He's omniscient. Your nationality, your very distinct personality, and God left nothing to chance. Nothing to chance. Psalms 139 uh, I think it's verse 15 in the message. He says this. He says, uh, the psalmist says, you know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit. You know how I was sculpted from nothing into something. He knows every, you know, moment. You know, here it says day, but, but one translation says he knows every moment of your life. Not just days, every moment of your life. You know, something can change in a moment, can it? Yes. Hmm? Yes. I've been in four or five car wrecks in my time, and let me tell you, you don't drag out for two weeks. They happen so fast. And people say, well, how did it happen? You just like, you try to explain it just so fast. Yes. Well, that's how things quickly something can be done. A person can have life one moment, and the next moment would be death. Yes. God knows every millisecond of your life. Every moment. So he said, I, you saw me before I was born. You scheduled every day of my life. Before I began to breathe, every day was recorded in your book. Did you know there's a book of you in heaven? Hmm? There's a book with your name on it in heaven of your life. Jesus, of course, had a book. Scriptures talk a lot about his book, but we all have a book about us. That if you were to go to heaven, you could go to heaven's library and there would be a book that would be pulled out. I don't know if it would be a book like this book, the Bible, or it would be a scroll, whatever it would be. But there's a writing of your life. Jesus said, coming to earth, he said, Father, you, you never wanted these burnt offerings and sacrifices of animals. He says, so I come in the volume of the book of me. For, because you have prepared a body for yourself as the sacrifice. Jesus, of course, has the book. You have a book. Every little detail of your life is written down. I, I had so much fun when I was studying this and just thinking about it. And I was just thinking about the last 20-something years, mostly from ministry forward. And I was thinking about how... Uh, where there was a lot of changes from 1990 forward and how many details and how many things. And, and I had to meet this person and that person and this person and that person. 
And I remember uh, my pastor taking me to a, a, a luncheon seminar um, to meet a pastor. There were other pastors there, and most of y'all won't know who this is. I think Miss the Tadlocks do. Uh, remember Elbert Willis in Louisiana? And uh, I met him. If you ever meet Elbert Willis, you'll never forget him. Uh, he's a wild man. And so I met him, and I was contemplating um, about going to Bible school. And I, I knew I was supposed to, but I was still contemplating it because I, I didn't see how I was going to be able to do this. And uh, back about 1990, so at this meeting, there was nowhere else for me to sit. There was a lot of ministers, and we, we'd been through the meeting, and they had a luncheon, and there was only one more seat left. And so I sat there, and... Um, and I wasn't sitting next to my pastor who took me there. I was sitting next to a person. And so there was another pastor there from Alabama. And he said, who are you? And I said, well, I'm with my pastor right over there. He said, Pastor Bobby. He said, yeah. He said, do you know him? He said, yeah, he and I used to be police together. I said, do you used to be a policeman? He said, yeah. And, uh, and I said, your name? He said, my name's Jim Brooks. So I met him there. And uh, he said, so what are you about? And I thought, <laughs> that's like, what am I about? Oh, I don't know. Or, you know, what's, why are you here? You know, what, what are you going to do with your life? I said, well, I, I think I'm supposed to go to Rainbow, but I don't know if I can right now. He says, why couldn't you? I said, well, you know, I've got a big family and it's going to cost a lot. And, you know, how, how are you going to go to school uh, uh, working half the time for twice the amount of the bills you're going to have? That doesn't make sense. He said, well, do you think God told you to go? And I said, well, I think so. He said, then why don't you mind your own business? <laughs> and he didn't look like you'd need to tangle with him <laughs> I said excuse me he said you heard me I said I don't even know where I'd live he said hang on tore out a piece of paper he said call that man he owns 40 houses in Broken Arrow <laughs> and that's where I rented a house from that man. I said, you know him? I said, he said, yeah, I went to that school and I rented one myself. And he, he'll do the same for you. Tell him Jim Brooks told you. And he said, he'll get your house ready. <clears throat> so I didn't say nothing else to this guy. <laughs> but see, that was a, there was no place for me to sit. Forty people in the room, there's only one place to sit. And I met him. And so every, every little thing was, was, was by God's design. God's motive for creating us, uh, we, we, we know that in Ephesians 1, 4, and this is the message, it says, long before he laid down earth's foundation, think about it, long before God created or laid the earth's foundation, he had settled on us in mind. If, if, if you're, you're going to be married and have a family, wouldn't you be thinking about where we're going to live? Right? So God knew he's going to have a big family. So before he created the earth, what did he have on his mind? You. Earth is here because of you. Now, the scripture said the earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof, but he created it for you. So before this planet was created, the, the purpose of that, see, it's all purpose, is because he had you on his mind. It said he has settled on us as the focus of his love. That's uh, Ephesians 1, 4 in the message. He had us in mind before he created the world. He designed the earth's environment so that you could live in it. 
So being the focus of his love makes you the most valuable of all God's creation. Now, why, now why did he do all this? Why do you take all the time and the effort to do all this? Because God is love. Right? Right. right. The Bible says God is love. It doesn't say God has love. It says God, God is love. Right? right? And the Bible says God is love. It doesn't have love. He is love. See, love is the very, is the very essence of who he is. Right? Not, not what he does. Love is what God is, and, and of course, He does love us. Uh, <clears throat> and so He didn't create us once again because we're, He was bored or lonely, but in order that He would have a family, as Michelle said, and He wanted to fellowship for eternity with you. God didn't put a time limit on us. He, he wants you to be able to live forever. Amen. You know, we, uh, sometimes we make a mistake and think, you know, when we're heaven, we'll live in eternity. You're... You're, you're already an eternal being. You'll, you'll never cease to live. You'll just change uniforms. You're going to trade in that body, sorry, and get a perfect one that never grows old. Never sees a position for anything. Now, the way you get little kids excited about this, say, in heaven, you'll never need a bath. You'll never have to take a nap. You'll never have to go to sleep. You're like, I'm going there, you know. Get adults happy, you still get to eat. And you don't get heavy. You don't get the highs and the lows, right? Amen. So, the earth was created for us. Now, Isaiah said it this way, 46, 3 and 4, in the New Century Version. He said, I have carried you since. Now, oh, this is good. Maybe I should wait till another time. Well, I didn't plan much for today because I, I know we've had a long week. But I'll just read this to you for a moment. So a rich man goes to the minister because I don't have much time. The rich man goes to the minister and says, I want you and your wife to take a three-month trip to the Holy Land at my expense. Hmm. When you come back, Pastor, i got a surprise for you. The minister accepts the offer. He and his wife set off to the Middle East. Three months later, they return. They are met by the wealthy parishioner who shows them a new church he has built for them while they're gone. Hmm. It's the finest building money can buy. The man says, he says, Reverend, he says, Reverend, I, I, I spared no expense. And he's right. It's a magnificent edifice outside and in, but there's one striking difference. There's only one pew, and it's the, it's the very back of the church. A church with only one pew, asked the minister. <clears throat> he said, well, you just, wait till, you just wait till Sunday, Pastor. You just wait. And the first man said, don't worry, just wait till Sunday. When the time comes for the Sunday service, the early arrivals enter the church, file in one and one until the, that pew is full. They sit down, the pew is full. And then all of a sudden, when the pew is full, a switch clock silently, and the, uh, a switch clock clicks silently, a circuit closes, the gears mesh, a belt moves, and automatically the rear pew ends, begins to move forward when it reaches to the front of the church. It, then it comes to a stop. At the same time, another empty pew comes up from the back, and more people sit down. It continues pews filling and moving forward until the church is full from front to back. Wonderful, says the minister. Wonderful. This is marvelous. 
The service begins. The minister, he is so excited about his new church. The minister starts to preach the sermon. He launches out into his text. He's still so excited. 12 o'clock comes. He's still going strong. There's no end in sight. But then suddenly a bell rings, a trap door, and the floor opens up. The pulpit drops in there, and the congregation says, wonderful, wonderful, <laughs> marvelous. And they thank the rich parishioner. <laughs> Everyone got what they wanted. <laughs> okay, should I read it? Let's end with this morning. Isaiah 46, 3 and 4, and the NCV says, I have carried you since you were born. I have taken care of you from your birth. Even when you're old, I'll be the same. Even when your hair has turned gray or white, I will take care of you. I made you and I will take care of you. Everyone over 50 is a lot more excited than those of you who don't know yet. <laughs> Isn't that good? I made you and I will take care of you. Russell Kiefer wrote a poem and it goes like this. You are who you are for a reason. You're part of my intricate plan. Your precious and perfect unique design called God's special woman or man. You look like you look for a reason. Our God made no mistake. He knit you together within the womb. You're just what he wanted to make. The parents you had were the ones he chose. And no matter how you may feel, they were custom designed with God's plan in mind. And they bear the master's seal. No, the trauma that you faced, it wasn't easy. And God wept that it hurt you so. But it was allowed to share your heart so that into his likeness you grow. You are who you are for a reason, and you've been formed by the master's rod. You are who you are, beloved, because he is a loving God. Amen. Well, we're going to continue from that point to another place. Everything God's done. He, he's done for a purpose. Uh, this little book right here has the, the scripture we all know so well. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you. Declares the Lord plans to prosper you and to har not to harm you, to give you hope and to give you a future. There is an extraordinary plan for your life. On our sign out there, and you might have saw it here a while ago, it says at Grace Life Church, it is our desire to be able to take people who are ordinary people, just ordinary people, and introduce them to an extraordinary God. When you've done this, you've taken someone who's ordinary and you've turned them into someone who's no, no longer the ordinary, but they're very unique. And God is working his plan on your behalf. Each step, each step along the way, God is providing some of you all of us, really all of us, every step along the way. I mean, you're, you've, you're facing things right now that uh, some of you are that you maybe you didn't know it would be like this and you didn't see this day coming, but he did. But he's gone way ahead of you, way ahead of you. And he's worked out every detail. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean to your understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. And he does what? 
He directs your path and your pathway has good in it. If God who is good and who is love had anything to do with your path, it's full of goodness and full of the love of God. Amen.